Welcome to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley. Today is the last Sunday after the Epiphany, February 11th, 2024. We hear from the Reverend Phil Brichard, our rector, as he preaches on today's gospel, which is Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. As always, you can learn more and find old sermon archives on our website, allsoulsparish.org. In her recent science fiction novel entitled A Psalm for the Wild Built, a monk and robot book, Northern California author Becky Chambers describes a world not unlike our own. It's a world in which humanity has built up vast industrial factories, uh, eventually staffing them only with robots. And then one day, the robots gain sentience. As in, they gain the ability to think for themselves, they discover their own consciousness, and they rebel against the constraints of repetitive labor. Might this ring a bell for anyone for today? (laughs) But what separates this novel from the other science fiction's imaginings of what might happen with this advent of artificial intelligence, imagining, say, like uh, Terminator or The Matrix, is the decision that humanity makes next. Because in this book, humanity sets aside roughly half of the world for the robots to live in and for nature to reclaim. And the book picks up at a moment when there has been no contact between humans and robots for centuries. Until a monk named Dex feels drawn to enter the wilderness and there meets a robot named Mosscap. And they learn about each other's existences. And at the close of the book, they end up on the top of a mountain, sheltering in a long-ago abandoned hermitage, and they talk about whether or not existence has purpose. And Moscap, the wild-built robot, says to Dex, the human monk, you keep asking why your work is not enough, and I don't know how to answer that. Because it is enough to exist in the world and marvel at it. You don't need to justify that or earn it. You're allowed to just live. The gospel story we heard proclaimed a few minutes ago is a gospel story we hear every year on the precipice of Lent, which, hard to believe, is where we find ourselves today. Every year, whether through the lens of Matthew or Mark or Luke, we ascend to the top of a mountain with Jesus and Peter and James and John. And we hear the story of Jesus being transfigured, his clothes becoming blindingly white, light shining everywhere, and suddenly 
next to Jesus, talking with Jesus, are two mythic figures of Judaism. Moses and Elijah. Now there's much to be said about the meaning of Moses and Elijah being there in that moment and about what the gospel writers are trying to tell us about who Jesus is. But I will let other sermons address that. What I found myself drawn to this week is the response of Peter to this awesome experience. And now when I say awesome, I don't mean it in the way that I often use awesome. I mean it in its more ancient meaning, as in containing awe. And while awe contains wonder, and even at times transcendence, it also often contains terror. What we are seeing, what we are encountering is so much bigger, so much more incredible than we can imagine, and our wonder becomes tinged with terror. And our text is very clear. Peter and James and John are terrified. And I found myself wondering this week, what happens? What happens when we come to the edge of our known existence? Or what happens when something breaks into our lives? Or what happens when something we cannot understand or control or contain wells up from within? What do we do next? What is the next faithful step? Many years ago, Bishop Mark shared a story about a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And during the pilgrimage, he and Sheila and a friend stopped at a pilgrimage kiosk in Jerusalem. And as you do, they fell into a conversation with a nun there at the kiosk who told them that one of her sisters had just emerged from a decades-long vow of silence. And then she asked Mark and Sheila and their friend if they would like to have an audience with this nun. How do you say no <laughs> to an opportunity like that? And so they went to the convent, and each of them had time with this nun and one of them described a mystical experience that they had had many years previous. And they asked the nun, what does it mean? And the nun responded, well, how did it change your life? It's been my experience that often people seek out Christian community because we've had an experience that we cannot explain. And we are wondering what to do with it. Which is kind of where Peter is this morning. And it's why we can learn so much from his response. Because one response to a moment of awe is to try to contain the experience. It's, um, it's like the scramble to take a photo of that sunset 
or that rainbow or that canyon or that dewdrop. And then you realize that the photo cannot contain the wonder. And you also realize that you've removed yourself from the moment by taking the photo. And it's gone. This is Peter's response to the shimmering clothes and the presence of prophets. Now I want to say thank God for Peter. Because when I hear these words, I don't feel so alone in my own responses. Because terrified by what is happening in front of him, Peter starts talking without thinking because he does not know what else to do. And as he's thinking with his mouth open, a plan somehow spills forth. What if we build three shelters, one for you, Jesus, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah? And in a way, what Peter's trying to do is, is somehow wrap his arms, wrap his mind around the awful wonder that he is experiencing. He's trying to do something with this. Trying to find a way to make sense or to help or to add value. He's trying to, to contain it or extend it or control it. And I get that because I've been there. And, and maybe you have too. I wonder if you've had uh, that kind of an experience. Sometimes I've heard people describe it happening during childbirth or happening when you're at the ocean at this time of day or you're on the top of this mountain seeing the world around you or when you're lost in music or you're lost in silence or you're lost in ritual. And often we try to classify or contain or explain all trying to get some sort of control over what cannot be kept in a jar. And so I've been wondering this week, what if there is no real response but to allow the wonder and the awe to transform us? What if the faithful act is a willingness to be open? A willingness to be changed by what we see and hear and feel. And to not try and do this on our own. Remember, Peter is not alone in this experience. He shares this with James and John. And this is a pattern of Christian life throughout time. Congregations, like all souls, exist to be uh, spaces, containers, networks, nests of profound listening. Listening to the experience of Christ being revealed in each other's lives and in the world. This is part of why we're here on this precipice of Lent. To listen for the Spirit on the loose. To wonder with each other, does this experience of awe and wonder bring you closer to living with mercy and leaning towards hope and trusting in God? 
It seems to me, friends, that when we encounter these moments, these moments of awe, our faithful response is to pay attention, to remain open-hearted, to marvel, and to let these experiences of transcendence and terror and wonder shape who we are for the journey to come.